you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hello, and welcome back to the Special Ones Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Sherrard, and I'm with Juan Duque. Juan, how you doing today, mate? I'm doing really well. It's good to be here. It's good to be spending some time with you. You know I love doing that. And it's good to be talking about something that we both love, talking about some good old football. Oh, yeah. And we will, and likewise to you. And we will get straight into it by talking about um, the Europa League. Um, Marseille won their um, semifinal. Um, they, they had to do a little work after Red Bull Salzburg um, scored two goals and got the tie to extra time. But Marseille found a way, um, even though it was a pretty lucky way, which we'll talk about VAR in a little bit. Um, getting the corner kick that Dimitri Payet... Um, crossed into Rolando, and they found a way to score the goal they needed to get to the Europa League final. And also in the other one, Arsenal not able to overcome the deficit they had, even though it was just on away goals, and they weren't able to get their away goal that they needed, and Atletico was able to score off a Diego Costa um, goal late in the first half. Um one. Arsenal, they're done. Their season's pretty much over with. They're going to probably be sixth place. Arsenal winger's not going to get that swung song he probably wanted to have before leaving. Um, how do you feel about Arsenal going forward? And yeah, how, how do you feel about them going forward? And if you want to talk about a little bit about the game that you watch, you can too. Yeah, so I'll quickly recap on the game. I, As we had talked about in previous weeks, I never thought Arsenal was going to win the Europa League because I didn't think that they were going to be able to beat Atletico Madrid. And this was before they, they were even they drew them in the semis. I had just said, in general, if they have to face this team, and I thought they were actually going to have to most likely face them in the final, but I thought if they have to face this team, that's the one team they're not beating. <clears throat> and... I'm not surprised that Arsenal didn't go through. I think when we look at the overall picture, it's tough, but it, it, it summarizes Arsenal in a nutshell, what, what Arsenal has been for the last several years. You have an opportunity in the first leg with a team that's a man down 10 minutes into the game. They also lose their coach to really just throw a blow that Atletico Madrid would not be able to recover from. Arsenal came out firing in that first leg, had several opportunities to score, even before, in the first 10 minutes, before Atletico Madrid went down. Arsenal just came out on fire, but they didn't score. You come out tying 1-1, giving up not just a costly away goal, but also just, you, you know, you shouldn't... This was the chance for them to really assert themselves and say, we're going to be in this final. It's a very, very weak soft away goal that they gave up at that yeah exactly and so when they came into this match the first the first half was awful uh it looked it's just i i don't know what arsenal's game plan was i want to say i want to say kudos to simeone and he deserves credit for 
two important things. Well, mainly one. His team, it's him and the players, they dominated today's match at very key points in the match. And so, you, you know, you always hear about things like you don't ever want to give up a goal right before the break. You don't want to give up a goal, obviously, in the last 10 minutes. You don't want to give up a goal in the first five minutes. There's all these things that coaches tell you that you focus on. And you know when you step onto the field, there's just critical periods throughout the match where you should be extra focused. And I thought Atletico Madrid did just that. They were extremely focused at very critical periods in the match. You look at when Diego Costa scores his goal. That's a huge blow to Arsenal going into the break. You, but I think what stood out to me the most was the last 10 minutes of the match. The last 10 minutes of that match were dominated by Atletico Madrid. And I don't want it to be anything to be confused. Atletico Madrid did not have a dominating performance. This wasn't your typical Atletico Madrid with Simeone at the head where they come out, they're kicking the shit out of you, they're getting away with potential red cards, they're using all these extra gamesmanship tactics that people hate. That's not the Atletico Madrid that showed up to play today. Very professional. Exactly. And so those last 10 minutes to me say so much because they asserted themselves in a a different way, in a way that really exhibited the fact that Arsenal is a mentally weak team and has been for a long time. And they took advantage of those 10 minutes. They, you know, however, whatever the ebbs and flows were throughout the match, in those last 10 minutes, you just knew Arsenal's lost. Uh There was never a point in those last 10 minutes where I thought, there's going to be a goal-scoring opportunity for Arsenal. We'll see if they take it. None. It was kind of like a given. At the 78th minute, I was like, this game is over. Atletico Madrid just won. Yeah, it, it, they, just, it, just, it just shows you what, ta- what type of team Atletico is. They're, they're not the most overwhelming team. But, I mean, they're not as – they're probably not even as good as the teams that have made Champions League finals. But at the end of the day, they figure out ways to win games, whether it's a 1-0 victory, which – they pretty much have done all season where they don't look great, but they win the game and you're wondering why in the world did they win those games? Yep. And let's talk about something that has been a recurring conversation. Stars, who stepped up today? Diego Costa to me was the man of the match, followed probably by Griezmann. Diego Costa shows it's, you know, I get so frustrated when people refer to him as just this asshole. He's a bully. He does too much. It's extra because people lose sight of the fact that he is a brilliant footballer. That guy's skill, his, his movement, his awareness on the pitch, he's clinical when it matters. He's a one-man wrecking crew. And I don't mean that just in terms of his physical presence because he is a one-man wrecking crew in terms of his physical presence. But you watch today. He was running into space at the perfect time. His first touch was perfect. He held the ball up when he needed to. He drove at players when he needed to. And, and, you know, him driving at two, three defenders, taking them on, getting by them, getting a corner out of it, gave Atletico Madrid a, a moment to breathe. It killed minutes in the game. But he also had the presence of mind to stop, pause. You know what? I'm going to bring the ball back. He gets on the score sheet. The man is, he's a, he's a baller. I don't care what anyone says. He is a baller. 
Griezmann. Griezmann was a bundle of energy on that pitch, getting the fans involved nonstop throughout the match. You could tell he wanted it. There was a hunger and a fire in his belly. And here's my question. What player on Arsenal showed that today? Name me one. Hey, man, I'll be sitting here talking to you all day before I can name you. Name me one of those guys. There wasn't. I couldn't believe it. Not even Jack Wilshere, who has been playing better, who you know is always going to bring that to the table. It didn't come from him. Again, where was Mesut Ozil? There's all these questions we keep asking, and today was no different. And what do you want me to say? I, I'm not surprised that the game went the way it did. But I think Atletico deserves credit because they played in a different way. I don't want to hear anything about, I, I, you know, we were talking earlier. There's some Arsenal fans up there that are saying, yeah, that's nice when it's nice when you're killing the wasting the clock, doing all these different things. That was not the Atletico Madrid that showed up to play today. So, uh, you know, I think my big question now for Arsenal moving forward, exactly how much money are you willing to spend? Because, because gonna, it is clear, need man. To. They need they they need someone everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, they're gonna need some. I mean, all right. Let's let's just put it like this. I I pretty I'm pretty sure they have the striking prowess down pat. I think Lacazette with another another year going on, um, he showed up strong in the later part of this year, and Aubameyang who is showing has showed his quality during Premier League play. Obviously couldn't play during the Europa League because he was cup tied, which he doesn't have to worry about anymore after next year. Um, but you have those guys. You have Mkhitaryan, who can be more of a playmaker than Ozil when Ozil disappears. And I, I think that's what you worry about with Ozil. Is like, is he going to disappear? I think Mkhitaryan, he's going to give you the effort. He might it might not come off, but you like if he disappears, it's just gonna be because he's not playing well, the passes aren't going off, um, he's just not feeling it at the day. It's not gonna be just because he just disappears totally. Then after that, then you go further back. Where are your center midfielders? El Nene is not going to be a center midfielder that's going to carry him anywhere. Saka, no, not at all. Um, Jack Wilshire and Aaron Ramsey, I think they even need to sign new contracts, which I don't think they have. I, I could be wrong on one of those guys. I think Wilshire definitely hasn't. Um, I think Ramsey's kind of on the fence, I believe. Um even even if they do come back with a new coach, I mean, would that new coach really want them there? I'm not sure they're worth. I'm not sure they're worth that. They have their moments, but I'm not sure that those guys are worth a contract extension. Then you have that back line where everything is a mess from the back four all the way to the keeper, and Ospina has. Done well to deputize Petr Cech after Petr Cech just kept on making mistake after mistake after mistake. But, yeah. That Man, I, as much as I love Ospina, he's not a Premier League goalkeeper because he's no. just, frankly, no. not tall enough. No. So, yeah, you have 
one, four position, five positions in the back line, including the keeper. You have your two midfielders. That's at least six. And then you then you might want to at least get a winger or two, just to try to do some things. So you have at least maybe seven positions that you need to shore up. And no Champions League football. So whoever's making the decisions, they're going to have to be creative. Can they? Can they? So today is the day when we really sit down and think about where did, or not think about, but have to come and accept the realization that Wenger left, he's leaving Arsenal in a very difficult situation, in my opinion. I don't think they're capable of finding seven players and suddenly within a season be able to compete for a top four spot in the Premier League. So really what Arsenal fans, Arsenal players, Arsenal as a club have to kind of accept is that this guy who is, you know, their biggest, their greatest legend, I think he's dug them into a hole for at least three seasons. And I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm sure I'm going to hear about it. But this isn't something that they're going to come out of in one season. I don't think, unless unless somehow they are really creative and a new coach comes in with a new system that rocks everyone's world and they're back in the top four spot next season. I, I don't, I mean, I don't see that happening. And I also don't see some of these other teams getting any weaker. I I see them getting stronger. Man City is only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, in my opinion, is only going to get better. Mourinho, you can hate his guts, but I, I have a feeling that Manchester United is probably also going to get stronger. So that leaves what one spot kind of up in the air. Kinda. Kinda. Because you think you think somebody who's going to Chelsea, they're at least going to get the backing to bring in one or two better players. So, I, I mean, I have a question. I don't know if it's one that's worth debating today. This one might require a little bit of research because we might piss a whole lot of people off if we don't get things just right. But my question is, is Arsene Wenger's legacy, his overall legacy as an Arsenal coach, really deserving of the praise that it's gotten? When he announced that he was retiring, he was showered with praise, and everyone that was so upset with him kind of took it. But They didn't take it back, but it was like, we still appreciate so much what you've done. And I get it. You have a guy who put together this beautiful brand of soccer for this club. He grew the club. Financially, he has one of the best teams. He coached one of the best teams in Premier League history. Um, and what he did give us was special. I won't deny that. You know, he had a different economic approach to the game. But here's a guy who never achieved European success. Am I wrong? Nope. Did he have European success in any tournament? Continental success. I mean, he got to Champions League final. Did he, he didn't win, though. He did not win. You are correct on that. And he didn't win a Europa League either, right? So, okay, you have someone that maybe domestically figured things out. 
but is he all he's hyped up to be? Does he deserve to be put on that pedestal? Not on that pedestal, but does he deserve to be lumped in the same category as some of those other guys? You know, we talk about him, and when we refer to his legacy, we refer to it like a Sir Alex Ferguson. I don't know that he's deserving of that. And it pains me to say that because I loved his, I mean, the squad that he put together that with, with Henri and Burkamp and Sol Campbell and Patrick Vieira. Like, that whole squad was just ridiculous. Robert Perez. I loved them. Loved watching them play. This isn't to take anything away from that. But ultimately, you're judged by your success. And I think that the ultimate, my, and this is just my opinion, I think that the ultimate success is the continental success. And he doesn't have that. He doesn't go out with that on his resume. So we can discuss this more later on if you want, but I just, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, maybe I'm just not entirely convinced yet that he deserves to go out in the same level as someone like Sir Alex Ferguson. I, I think it's I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult to tarnish it all the way. I think if he would have stopped in 2010, I don't think we would be having this discussion. I think we'd just be like, he brought in the Invincibles. He brought in a brand of football that, you know, in England nobody was able to match. Until obviously now, now Pep, Pep in them nowadays. Um, I would just also like to think about how many managers there are in the Premier League during during his time, during his time as Arsenal manager. Obviously, we have Sir Alex winning the many many Premier League titles that he's won. Arsene, he's won three Premier League titles. We have Jose Mourinho. And then we have... Who else next? Yeah, that's a good point. So, I, I do think that we, we still gotta... We, we can't just, you know, brush that pass beside. And obviously winning seven FA Cups, even though the FA Cup has been diminished a bit more than, you know, what it should be. But... He's won those trophies. He was able to keep that keep that team, whether they were good enough to be in the top four or not. He kept them there until these last two seasons. So I don't want to necessarily diminish what he's done. I think if he would have if he would have left if he would have left a little bit earlier, I don't think we have this conversation. But I mean. I can understand why the conversation is being had because they're they're outside the top four for for the second consecutive time. It doesn't look like they're going to get back in it unless major major changes happen. So I could see why there's a there's a blemish there that has to be acknowledged. Yeah, I I think this. I think we should maybe sit down one day. Let's just sort of come up with what we. Prioritize what we think the criteria for evaluating him 
in this conversation should be. And then we can come back and debate it some more because I I would love to keep talking about this. Yeah, I would too. I would too. So, well, we'll, we'll get off uh, Arson. He has, I think, two or three more games left in his Arsenal career. And who, who knows? Maybe he's back managing somewhere. It seems like he was pushed out. So maybe he will decide, hey, I want to give it another try somewhere else. So who knows? Um, now... Now we have our Champions League. Um, we have our finalists. Liverpool on one side and Real Madrid on the other. Um, Liverpool, they, they made the work harder than they should have. Yeah. They got, they got the away goal they needed. Yeah. They got the away goal they needed. Um, they got a second goal, actually. And then... They kind of let Roma back in the game, and if it weren't for a couple of calls that <coughs> VAR <coughs> VAR um, would have helped, this game could have been even more interesting. Now, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say. Now, I mean, Roma were stupid in the first leg that got them in this predicament before, but you know, that's on them. But I want you to talk a little bit more about the VAR situation. I think it needs to be implemented. I get wanting to keep the flow of the match. I hear, you know, we, we talk a lot about egos when we're on the, the show. Referees have their egos. I think that the... Yes, they do. The, the body of enforcement that is UEFA has its ego... And it really believes, no, we have the right crew in place at all times to handle this. And we don't need to depend on technology. We don't need to change the flow of the game. And at this stage, I just disagree. We have the technology to do it. I was reading today that on on average, VAR only adds 45 seconds to a game. Am I wrong? I, I read that somewhere. I don't remember if it was 45 seconds to the game overall or just 45 seconds each time the VAR is needed. So I need to double check on that. But either way, 45 seconds is nothing. I mean, that's what you get when a player fakes he's cramping to kill time off a clock and we deal with it, right? So that shouldn't matter. That's that's pretty insignificant in my opinion. It'd be one thing if it's taking up five minutes. Um, and that technology... It would have changed the look of this match. It, you know, I, I just, I think the only reason I'm not more upset about it right now is one, I'm not a Roma fan. Two, I still think the better team won. So for me, it's like, well, yeah, maybe it would have made things more tense, but the better team still came out on top, and I'm okay with that. But I can tell you right now, if that wasn't the case, I would have, you know, you would have. You'd hear me swearing left and right right now. So I think VAR needs to be implemented. Um, I just don't see... I I no longer find the arguments against it to be rational at this point. Especially when it's being used. It's being used already. Now, some, some can do it better than others, but at least the technology is being used... You're putting a referee who is respected um, watching those plays to make sure that everything goes right. So even even with the egos, 
then yeah, I mean, you're the referee is taking the word off of a respected another respected referee in their craft that they can go, okay, he sees it, he can see it off of three or four angles that I can see it. All right, let's go. Let's go with that. And the majority of those calls, they're right. And I don't. I honestly don't think you need. I I could kind of see why it takes long is because at times I see it in MLS action also, where the referee has to go over to the TV and watch it. We we can stop that already. We we can stop that. Got somebody who is. In the command center, or somebody who is, you know, somewhere in the press box, that's a refer add extra referee instead of you know UEFA having two, you know, inline referees that are probably are mostly useless. Um, you can use one of those referees. Say okay, that that's a handball. We see it how what it is, and call it. I don't see what the problem is, honestly. Yes, it might take a little bit of time. Yes, there might be a celebration that happens that might might not be worth anything. But at least you get the call right. And that's what we want, right? We want the calls right. Right? I, I thought that's what we were yeah. doing. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Oh? That's a good point. I'm, you know, I think maybe this will change when we hear more. Hey. Give us a hand. We could use a hand. You know, this is a lot of pressure on us at all times. You guys could make our lives a lot easier if we just say, yes, we'll go with this. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, now, going back to that Liverpool-Roma game, I'm going to say this. I Last week when we talked, I had said that if I thought Liverpool could get through that match without expending too much energy. And somehow they managed to screw that up. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I think seeing Dejon Leverin in a Champions League final is going to be dreadful to see. And that could be the downfall of this team going forward heading against this Real Madrid team. So, yep. heading over to Real Madrid real quickly. Um... They managed to win. I think it was a 2-2 draw um, against Bayern Munich in the second leg at the Bernabeu. Kareem Benzema restored the faith of Zinedine Zidane and Zidane and the Real Madrid faithful with a brace. And Bayern Munich, they tried as they might, but they could not get the job done. Um, Juan, what do you think about what happened in this game? And also, with Hamas scoring a goal and his non-celebration, which I didn't really think was necessary, because hey, man, you need to score another goal. Don't don't worry about saying my my bad guys, my bad. No, get the ball back, try to score, and, th- and then you can plead for forgiveness. Even though they probably won't forgive you if they if you beat them, but at least no, stop wasting time. Let's. Let's get our butts back and let's try to score again. Because it was 2-2 at that point. And Bayern Munich could have scored the next one. And it could have been game, game, set, match for him. Yeah, so overall for the game, 
uh, those uh, it's hard to to figure out exactly how I feel about it just because it's it's been beautiful to watch Champions League these last two rounds because teams are going for it goals are being scored tactics are going out the window this is the beauty of not having Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte in a Champions League semis or a final because you get games like the ones that we're seeing but at the same time, you have to ask yourself questions when you're watching these games. Like, what the hell yeah. is going on? <laughs> you it's, know, and, it's stupid. Like, I, I think uh, we, I think we said it in. I think it was said in our group me chat. Is like, yo, these these games are wasted. They're just every, everybody's just kind of going out there and doing willy nilly. Rest, yeah. All the players, like it's there. There's there wasn't a time where I was just like, okay, I'm comfortable with this. It was just like, no, no, we'll make this wacky. You know, Byron, Byron it, Keeper, no, I'll just, you know, try to do breakdancing unsuccessfully. Oh, dude, I'm totally going to get to that. <laughs> you know what these games have been like? These games have been like when you're in college and you're, you know, you come back to your dorm room with a six-pack. Mm-hmm. You sit down with your roommate and you decide to play some FIFA at 1 o'clock in the morning and... You're just kind of talking shit and just saying screw it and doing everything you know you shouldn't do. Yep, pretty much. That's what these games seem like. Pretty much. Um, I, I'll say it again this week. I think we need to keep an eye on Sergio Ramos. I think he's, he's such a smart player. He's going to figure it out. But Sergio Ramos is kind of in a weird place right now where father time is starting to catch up to him. Mm-hmm. I will say again, he looks like he lost a step. Yep. And it's been, to me, very apparent in these last two games. And that's without having Aryan Robin run at him for 180 minutes, the way that it was originally supposed to happen. So yeah, I, I think he was very lucky he's dealing with, he dealt with Lewandowski and oh, Mueller yeah. more than dealing with a Robin who would turn them sideways, even though we all know where he's going he's going to go left oh yeah and he's I, I, you know I think he's smart enough to understand I can't do what I used to do and once he just accepts that he's going to continue to be one of the world's best center backs at the highest level for another probably two to three years but he has to accept that first he can't be the old Sergio Ramos because his body doesn't let him make up for his madness anymore nope um Baran, man, we've been talking about that guy for a long time. He's only getting better, and you can see it. But what I actually want to do is, before I go into Hamas, I want to sort of flip and think about Bayern. Bayern is in such a weird space right now. Their most dangerous player in the second leg is a 35-year-old man that goes by the name of Frank Ribery. You've got to be, granted, they've had a list of injuries, you know, and I'm not going to minimize the injuries they have. Who They have, what, five guys missing? They had Vincent Company, Aryan Robin, Coleman was hurt. Uh, I think there's two other guys that were hurt. They'll come to me. But that doesn't, that doesn't do them any favors. But still, you're Bayern Munich. Ribery has been a great player in the past. But he's 35. How was that the guy that was creating wreaking havoc for Real Madrid. It blows my mind. And so, if you're Bayern, you kind of have to look in the mirror this in the offseason and say, what are we going to do 
because this is now what four seasons in a row they've been knocked out in the semis four or five they've gotten older let's talk about Lewandowski that man looks like he does not want to be there his performance this week I was shocked other than you know arguing with Sergio Ramos because Sergio Ramos is an asshole and just manages to piss everyone off what did he do I mean, I didn't. I felt like he didn't even really make that much of an effort to assert himself in the game. And so, we knew that Lewandowski was one of the guys that was behind Ancelotti getting the boot. We then find out that he got. Didn't he get into a fight with uh, Homos in like the last week or two in practice? I think he might have. So there's some stuff going on at Bayern that needs to be sorted out. And if I'm a Bayern fan, I think I'm going to be prepared for. For some change, for sure. Yeah, I actually was looking for a tweet that I did on April 25th. I said, Byron could prove me wrong, but I just don't know how I feel about a 34 and 35-year-old wingers trying to carry your team. There you go. This, this was at the time where Robin was obviously still healthy, and I was just like, yeah, I don't. This, this team looks old in certain spots, right? Because I mean, you have Thiago, you have James there, and then when they put Tolisso there in the second leg, even though they didn't really have a defensive midfielder, they actually they look pretty good. They actually dominated Real Madrid's, you know, two midfielders there that, you know, made things interesting for that match. So. Yeah, I don't. Obviously, Bayern are going to be looking at, you know, Bundesliga players, the the best of the rest of the Bundesliga players that are left, and probably try to, you know, restock their team that way. But they are in an interesting space in terms of trying to figure out what's next because I don't think Bayern fans, and I don't think the board are going to accept nothing less than contending for Champions League titles because they got the Bundesliga locked up almost pretty pretty much every other year and I believe they hired hired a new manager um, for the next season but I just I'm just curious of how this old guard is going to kind of fade away because it, it kind of has to right they they've, yeah. been, they, they've been doing this for like eight years. <laughs> Pretty much. It's going to be a transition, and they're going to have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, switching back to Real Madrid, we can talk about Zidane. And I, in previous seasons, I had been super critical of Zidane's unconditional love for Lucas Vasquez. And let me tell you, I, I think I'm wrong. Zidane clearly saw something that I wasn't seeing that maybe others weren't seeing. I didn't know why he relied on him in big games or brought him into big games sometimes over other players. But when Carvajal went down, I thought we talked about this and we said, Lucas Vasquez better be the guy he starts at right back. He doesn't have anyone else that's going to be able to handle that. And I am, I was impressed with, I think Lucas Vasquez is actually just a much smarter player than I ever realized. Um, mm-hmm. This is a guy who actually, he's got the speed and the energy. I thought he was an energy player. That's the best way for me to describe him. 
I thought he was just kind of like an energy guy. But he's actually way more than that. He's His movement is smarter, but he's just his soccer IQ is way better than I thought it was. You look at him as that right back. The level of discipline that he showed during that game was fantastic, in my opinion, for someone who doesn't normally play there. If I'm Carvajal, I'm actually thinking to myself, shit, if Zidane decides he wants to keep tra- testing this experiment out, I may have a little more competition than I realized. Yeah. And so I have to give that credit to Zidane. And also I have to give credit to Vasquez because he's earned it. Um, Zidane seems like a coach who is prepared to, to be ready for some transition. You know, he's Asensio. Look at Asensio getting a huge start. Um, it's, I'm not saying Zidane has gotten everything right because he hasn't. But what I give him credit for is that I don't feel like he's ever, he has not approached any of these games as the guy who is going to absorb pressure. He's approached them as a guy who's going to exert pressure. And whether or not it pays off is a different story. But starting Kovacic, starting Vasquez, starting Asensio is kind of his way of saying, I'm going to put some legs in there and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and take a little more of the game to them. Um, which is interesting, you know, did that pay off? Uh, that argument could go either way. I have mixed feelings about how it actually worked out, but I will say that Zidane's Vasquez experiment seems to be paying off. And the more and more experience that he's Vasquez is getting under his belt, the more and more you're realizing why he's a guy that you can rely on when you need the team, when, when you just need to know what you're going to get from the team. Man, I, I think we should be giving Zidane a lot of credit for this team being where they are. Ever since the PSG match, no, what, nah, bump that. Ever since the Juventus first leg match, has this Real Madrid team been convincing? Like, has this Real Madrid team been a team that should be in a Champions League final? Not, not really. Like, they they probably should have been at least at at the least went to extra time with Juventus. Um, Bayern Munich in both legs had times where they could have scored goals. Um, obviously, and and their goalkeeper making a mistake, a key mistake at a wrong time. Um, but they're just figuring out ways to win and. Having a faith in, I don't think you brought this up, having a faith in Kareem Benzema, who has not been doing much of anything, scored at least eight or nine goals in all competitions all season, starts him in probably the most important match of the year, gets a brace. You know, obviously the second goal was a bit lucky, but hey, he puts himself in that position to be, hey, I'll tap this in, where, you know, Ronaldo... Obviously, he's worked works hard, but he 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 didn't have much of an impact in this leg in these couple of legs. But they figure out a way um, towards the towards the end of the match. I think you know putting in Casemiro who for Kovacic who was who was there who was getting tired because he was just running around you know three v two all the time. You know, putting Casemiro in there to get you more still. And putting in Gareth Bale, who's going to just pressure from the front, who has pace, and who can at least, you know, bother 
Bayern Munich a little bit just to make sure that, hey, they're not going to get free services. And and if the possibility happens, maybe we can get them on the counterattack. Um, but this Real Madrid, it's, it's not as imposing as the other teams that we've seen. Um, it's not a team that you can definitively say that's going to beat Liverpool, which we're not going to get into. We're not going to get to predictions now. We'll talk about that a little later. But I think this is the Real Madrid team where you can say, all right, I think Zidane has pretty much done the best managing job he's done because the only one that you can count on scoring goals is Ronaldo. Gareth Bell has been injured and hasn't played well. Kareem Benzema, the same. You know, Isco, hot or miss. Right? So yep. he's he's pretty much been that calming force whenever things have gone wrong. He hasn't been he hasn't been reactive. He's been proactive. He decides, okay, in a Juventus game where they went down 2 0, he's like, Alright, I want to put more pressure on them. And eventually it pays off. And I think things like that, hey man. It shows you he knows how to do it because lesser managers fold in those situations. And we've seen that even in this Champions League that they have fell when things like momentum shows its hand. And but he finds a way put in the right spot, put people in the right spots that, hey, they're back in another finals, possibly three peating. Well, I'm going to give one quick shout-out to Kaylor Navas because he had one of the best reflex saves I've ever seen. And, I mean, we know that's the one thing he had. His reflexes are crazy. But that there was one strike that was, like, inside the 18. Was, it might have been Alaba. I need to go back and double-check. Someone laced it inside the 18. It takes a deflection. And somehow he still gets a hand out on there and saves it. But more importantly was... I was more impressed because, like I said, we know Kaylor Navas has reflexes for days. Mm-hmm. What I was impressed with was at toward the end of the game, everyone's tense. Seems like Byron could potentially steal a goal with minutes left on the clock. Kaylor Navas is coming out for crosses where he knows I'm going to potentially walk out of this with a broken rib. And he came out. He won those balls. He did what he had to do in critical moments. And so I, I think... For someone who gets a lot of criticism, he is a pretty incredible shot stopper, and he does deserve credit after this game. Um, switching back to Hamas and the celebration, the non-celebration. So this is one of those things where we constantly see players go back and play against their old teams, and they don't want to celebrate. We saw Salah do it as well. Um, I think that every case is different. You can go on a case-by-case basis. You know, if I'm Thierry Henry and I'm going back to play against Arsenal, hell no, I'm not celebrating. Yep. But this case to me was different. I think James should have celebrated. Not as a screw you to Real Madrid, but the truth is he he left because they thought, we don't need you here. Is it the thing that's complicated is that Zidane is Hamas's childhood hero. That's the guy he looked up to. That's his soccer god. And so he has the guy, his hero, coaching him. His coach says, I have nothing against you, but I just think these guys are going to work better for us right now. You have 
a very fickle fan base who never really turned against him at any point. No. So it's not like he's harboring any ill feelings toward the Real Madrid fans. Zidane was never dishonest with him or never treated him unfairly. So it's not like he's angry at Zidane. And from what I understand, he actually did have some very good relationships with some of those guys on the team. And then you find out that the reason that Ronaldo and Sergio Ramos were fighting for half of the season is because Ronaldo was pissed that Hamas left. And Sergio Ramos said, so what? We're still Real Madrid. We can live without him. And Ronaldo was like, we're idiots for letting him go. So all of these reasons are an indicator of why Hamas probably still shares some warm feelings toward Real Madrid. And, and, you know, he, and, you, and you also got to remember, he's just on loan. Maybe he, in his own mind, maybe everybody else is like, yeah, you're not probably going to be playing for Real Madrid anymore. But maybe in his own mind, it's like, all right, man, I can't like burn all my bridges. Maybe, maybe, just maybe they decide, hey, they saw me over these two legs, and maybe I can I can actually come back here. Maybe, maybe that's what he's thinking about. That would be yep. the only other. And I could... I, I could totally get that if that's what he's thinking because that's what it seemed like to me. You know, he he did some sportsmanship, um, good sportsmanship type things where, honestly, most people would just be like, yo, we need to win this game. <laughs> and I, I just and, – and like I said, with the goal, I, I said this earlier. I was just like, um, there's no need for you to do all this. Um, you know your nope. team is still – Still needs another goal, and you're you're sat here for like a good fifteen seconds. And yep. now, like if they sold you to Bayern Munich, that's another situation. Even though obviously he does have those relationships, that's another situation. Honestly, I don't care if you celebrate or not. It really doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm here for the tweets on 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 the celebrations if you do or not, but. I think his situation's more unique because he's a lone player, and like during the during league play, most loanies don't get to play against their you know team that they are currently owned by. So I think he's in a situation where you can't really just go celebrate, <laughs> you know, especially when you think you might be able to play a role in that team. Yeah, I don't blame Bayern fans for feeling some kind of way about that. Yeah, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're wrong either. I no, think no, no. He didn't have a reason to not celebrate, and I think he was. You can still, you can celebrate and be respectful. I think that the goal was interesting. There was like a seven-minute spell after he scored that goal, where it was kind of like something in him switched. It was like, all right, you know what? That's when he got chippy. He fouled. He, he had a couple of fouls. One on was it Vasquez Modric? He, you know, he was kind of doing some of the gamesmanship stuff that people don't like, and it was almost like the it activated the asshole in him that he needed to have, that Bayern needed him to have to have a shot at winning that game. And I wish he had just played like that the whole time to really show. If if your point is to showcase to Real Madrid. You guys miss me. I think that would have been a better way of doing it. Rather than not celebrating, just go out there and prove a point, man. I'm here to win. I'm a winner. Real Madrid likes winners. And I think that there was almost too much respect. Um, 
I would not be surprised if we find out somewhere down the road that he and Tiago Alcantara exchanged some heated words in the dressing room afterward. And so where I think Hamas actually was wrong was when he kicked the ball out of play when someone went down. I can't remember who went down. But Byron had the ball. They were in possession. And he stops the play and kicks it out. And you, if you watch that play and you look in the, the bottom of the screen, Thiago Alcantara flips out. He's super pissed. And I think Hamas in that situation was wrong. I think he should have kept playing. Yep. So it's tough. You know, they didn't lose the game because of Hamas. If anything, um, he was subbed out of the game because he was gassed. If you actually watch that game, the, um, he ran. He ran his ass off. The entire time he was out there, yeah, those um, those, those Bayern midfield, midfielders were doing a load of work. I think yeah. him and Taliso got subbed off because they were they were yeah they were possessing the ball, tons of movement, tons of interchanging, um, trying to get forward, trying to get joined in into the attack. So I, I could get it, yeah. Yeah, you, you said it best. He probably was gassed because I was, at first I was just like, why, why are you taking him off for Javi Martinez, who can't really move yeah. as well as you need him to. But I guess, you know, you know, a guy who's tired and then bringing on somebody with height, maybe that's what he up heinous. My, my criticism of that move, Hamas was gassed. I totally understand the reason to take him off. My only criticism for that sub was, you put in someone with height, but you took out the guy who's probably the best server of the ball. So it kind of rendered Javi Martinez useless anyway. Yep. Byron couldn't get a ball, sir. They couldn't fucking cross a ball in. Nope. And so, I mean, Hamas is, is actually your best crosser, your best server of the ball. I get he was tired, so you, you take your chances. It's a difficult call to make as a coach. But that's the reason I was shocked with that call. It's kind of like... Dude, these are dying minutes here. You just got to get the ball in the box as much as you can. You took out the one guy that can do that. Yeah, I mean, you can at least have two guys doing that with him and Tiago. But yeah. then at that point, you just have that one person. And like I said, was Don's switch with Bell. Bell's just going to run at you because he has those legs. Yep. So, congrats to Real Madrid. Congrats to Liverpool. We'll do predictions on that. At a later date before the finals. It's going to be exciting. I cannot wait. Hopefully Liverpool's legs don't fall apart. Because they don't really have that much squad depth. Especially in midfield. Um, let's let's just talk a little bit about the El Clasico. Which is coming up. It's, it's meaningless. And it's not all at the same time. Um, Barcelona... They won, won a double. They won their La Liga. And they won the Copa del Rey. And Real Madrid is obviously heading to the Champions League final. So it seems like there's not much to play for. But I was listening to a Spanish podcast that I tend to listen to. And they they said something that actually perked my ears up a little bit. Um, Barcelona, now they can go undefeated. For the whole season. Um, if they beat Barcelona. And continue on with their ways. It would. I think. If if Real Madrid beats them. 
at the Newell camp, has that one blemish, and then ends up winning the Champions League? What, it, what does that say about both of their seasons? And obviously, I think if Real Madrid wins the Champions League, regardless, I think it, people are going to be looking at that more, but especially for Barcelona fans, I don't think they're going to feel good if th- that one blemish happens to be their most hated rivals. And then that hated rival ends up winning another Champions League. Another one. Juan, what do you think about that? And what do you yeah. what do you think about the game in general? So, in Spanish, there's a saying. It's very similar. It means the same thing as, you know, it's laughs, whoever laughs, laugh. Whoever laughs, last. And the saying is, el que ríe último ríe mejor. Whoever gets the last laugh laughs the hardest. And so this is kind of what we're talking about here. If Barca finishes undefeated, they beat Real Madrid, they finish the season undefeated, and Real Madrid doesn't win a Champions League final, who got last laugh? Barca. Barca. Right? And on the flip side, like you said, Real Madrid ends that streak for Barcelona. They win a Champions League. It's Real Madrid who end the season with the last laugh. And so I think that's what these guys are going to be playing for is pride. And now that we've read PK's article on the Tribune, Players' Tribune, we know that these guys are all texting each other and talking a lot of smack to each other. And they have, you know, these ongoing, I mean, how would you put it? They basically ongoing taunting of each other. And, we don't, saw PK's, and don't forget, Zidane said we're not doing a guard of honor for them. Exactly. And we saw PK's reaction to that. He's, again... I, I I have to give PK credit for that because he, by him saying what he said in reaction to Zidane's decision, he's now generated drama for the game. Yeah. You know, now it's not just oh Barca won, who cares? It's like, well, we know they're still talking shit. We know there's stuff going on. PK sitting there saying, well, you know, it's fine that they don't want to honor us. You know, we didn't do that for them, but we were competing in a different competition. And they're not doing that for us because we they didn't compete in La Liga, right? Shots fired. Well, good, thank you. Like I, I actually appreciate that PK's done that because it keeps things interesting. And so, yeah, I think this game is going to matter to a certain extent. I think that tempers will flare. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see a red card or two. Um, my guess, I think Barca is going to win. Um, I think Barca is going to win by two goals. Whether I wouldn't be surprised if that game ends like three one. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what conversation we have at the end of the season if they finish undefeated, but Real Madrid walks away with the Champions League, and we'll save that discussion for later. But I do think there's something to play for here for them. It's it's their pride, it's their egos. And it's just kind of, this is an opportunity to determine what people are talking about in history when it's all said and done. Real Madrid obviously does not want people to refer to this season and talk about, oh, this was the season that Barca went undefeated. You know, and on the flip side, Obviously, Barcelona wants people to be talking about them and not the fact that, according to them, you know, Real Madrid are 
undeserving of their Champions League final spot. So, how the game is going to go, like I said, I think Barca will win. I think that game ends 3-1. Um, I think that game gets a lot chippier than people anticipate. I think people are assuming these guys are going to show up, knowing the season's basically over in La Liga. I think that game is going to be really chippy. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going with Barca 2-1. I just... I just think I know. I think Real Madrid they're going to play most of their players that played against Bayern Munich. Um, probably I would I would think that Gareth Bale would probably get a start there. Um, but I just I just think that a lot of those guys are probably going to be drained out, um, especially after expending all that energy trying to keep Bayern Munich at bay. That. Yeah, this is, you know, we, we want to win. We don't want Barcelona. To, we want to be that team to end their streak, but I don't I don't think they're going to have enough. I think no. Me- Messi's been doing the <laughs> – Messi's been doing the job for the whole season for them in La Liga. And, and I will – I'm glad you brought him up. I'm just going to interject quickly to say yeah, – I think Messi's going to have a very special performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I could already see him scoring a free kick goal. I, I I see it in my head right now. I can just see it right there. Yep, free kick goal, boom. And then it it starts off with that. Um, but I think those I think those Barcelona guys obviously not having to play since Sunday. They have a week to kind of. Watch things pan out. They know Real Madrid are going to want to break that undefeated streak. So that's probably the only thing left for them to deal with. And I I think they're going to go out there and they're just going to have more energy than Real Madrid. I I think, you know, energy aside, I think Real Madrid could possibly pick it off. But I think with Barcelona just having to focus strictly on this, they're they're definitely going to pick up the victory because, you know, Real Madrid they'll have a couple of weeks before the Champions League final, so they can pretty much put 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 a strong lineup up. But how much energy are they going to have, especially in those 65, 75, 80th minute, where you know Barcelona they can bring in more bodies, they can bring in the Dembele. Who can who can run run all over the place? So yeah, I, I think Barcelona is going to end up winning the match. Um, last thing, uh, last thing I want I wanted to talk about, and Juan, you can interject, or if if you have anything to say about it, then you can. Hadn't been talking much Syria except for talking about how bad Roma is. And talk about how bad Tottenham is because Juventus beat them and all that, or any controversy. But let's talk about how there is a little, there is one final um, title to not be um, declared yet. Um, Juventus and Napoli are battling it out. Napoli scored a huge victory over Juventus a couple of weeks back um, at at. Juventus is home, but this past week, 
Juventus found a way to scramble back, win points at Inter Milan, and then Napoli ended up crapping the bed against Fiorentina and dropping 3-0. Um, I honestly thought this would be Napoli's chance. Especially beating Juventus at home I, and, you know, clawing back from the disadvantage they had before. And obviously with Juventus having games against Inter and Roma, both away from home, I thought, okay, this is it. This is what Napoli can boost themselves off of and say, yeah, we're going to we're going to end up winning. And then and then it even probably excited them more when Juventus went down 2-1 against Inter. And but Inter shitted the bed, Spalletti crapped the bed when he took off a cardi when he got super defensive, even though they were a man down, but they were dominating the match. Juventus found a way, two goals in a five-minute span, to immediately put pressure on Napoli in their next match on Sunday. Um, got an early red card, and they made a decision which, when I rewatched the match, thought was super weird. They got rid of one of their midfielders in Jorginho, and obviously, you know, they brought back a defender because they lost the defender with a red card. And... I found that strange. I asked myself, would they have done that if Juventus either drew or lost against Inter? But they decided we're going to take off one of our midfielders because we still have to go after this game because we still have to keep pace. So basically, Napoli was playing a 4-2-3. And playing a 4-2-3, hey, you're going to put your midfielders in way too much pressure. They ended up losing them the game, and that possibly could end up losing the Scudetto for them. And honestly, I just, I just felt kind of bad for Napoli at that point in time because, you know, obviously they had aspirations of trying to challenge for this team, and who knows if this team currently constructed will be back. Jorginho's having offers. Um, their manager, sorry possibly could be leaving himself. Who knows if this window's shut for them. I don't have too much to add to this. I think to me this is kind of just generally the big question for for some of these teams that are putting together runs where you're like, man, this could be the year and then they don't make it happen. And then it's just kind of like, well, we know they're going to lose players. Tottenham is another example. Tottenham was never really challenging for the title. But this seemed like it could have been their year to make it further. They didn't. And now we're talking about all these players that might go. And, I mean, that's, I think, aside from maybe Atletico Madrid, that's been the case across all leagues for teams that seem to be right on the cusp of overcoming that last hurdle. It doesn't happen key guys go. So I'm I would not be surprised if they do end up losing players. I've, I mean Jorginho seems to be on everyone's radar. I've seen him there's transfer rumors about him left and right. Yeah. Um It's unfortunate. You know, I think it would have been even if Juve ended up winning it, 
I would have liked it to have come a little more down to the wire. I would like to see some change in some of these leagues, but money says otherwise. So it seemed like Napoli had a fighting chance at rewriting the script, at least for a season. And here we are. I mean, is there a league where we think there could be a surprise next season? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe Real Madrid would decide they want to play La Liga. Maybe maybe they'll decide they want to do that. Is that a surprise, though? No, no, mm-hmm. not really. I, I mean, a surprise I, I, would be like if Valencia's in there. In nah, the fight, you know. nah, nah, chill, 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 <laughs> chill. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> you know, a, a surprise would honestly be if, if we're talking about Liverpool potentially winning the title next season. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't see surprises in the foreseeable future in many places. Yeah, sure. And I, I'll say this one last thing, and we'll head out. I know people go like, eh, there's, I mean, you, you, people talk about having experience winning titles and stuff like that. And people say that that's a myth and that's not true. But, I mean, we're, we're seeing this with this Napoli team. We're seeing this with the Juventus team who I thought was dead in the water. And they figure out a way to win. And, like I said, Napoli found a way to shit the bed. Totally all together. So, you know, can I ask you a general question? It kind of goes in hand in hand with this. <clears throat> What is your take on some of these big mistakes we're seeing in high-stakes matches? Look at the mistake that uh, Nangolan made. Let's look at the mistake that, uh, what's his face, uh, Bayern Munich's goalie made. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the mistake that Kaylor Navas made against Juve as well, but I think we're seeing... Maybe it's just because it's right now, I feel like it's happening more than usual, and it's not the case. Maybe it does happen more often, but I feel like we're seeing some pretty huge mistakes this season. Indifferently, whether it's in, in we're seeing Syria, this happening with Napoli, we're seeing it in Champions League. It's, I've been kind of surprised at the gravity of the mistakes that we've seen. Well, a lot of it is because we're noticing it more, right? I mean, these are, you know, big games, semifinal games, quarterfinal games, um, important matches that we're seeing it. And also it could be because they are playing a lot lot more games nowadays. Um, A lot of games with their club, a lot of games with their international teams. That there could be a mistake here and there. And just the fact that these games are tight. I mean, the Bayern keeper hasn't been in, has not been in a situation like this, you know, like Neuer's been in for his whole career. So you have guys like that who haven't been in a tight situation where they need to make um, those important key um, decisions. But I think for the others, I think it, I think it has to do a little bit with them just possibly tiring down and them, you know, having the gravity of this match because I don't I don't care how many matches they've been in. 
I don't care, you know, how much money they make. It's it's still an important match. It's still nerve wracking. Um, any little small mistake could turn into a, a huge one like that. So I totally get it. I think it's just a reminder that <clears throat> even though these guys get paid the big bucks, they're still human. There's still a lot of pressure that goes on in these games, and I think we lose sight of that. Yep. And we will end on that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us once again. Um, you can find me at AHT4005. You can find Juan at... Batman the Duke. Batman, T-H-E-D-U-K-E. Yes, sir. We will be on SoundCloud, iTunes, search TS1 Network, and we will be with you very soon. So, for Juan Duque, I'm Andre Sherrard. We're still the special ones. Peace.